Today on the podcast, Under the Hood covers OEMs killing the radio, finishing a race on three wheels, a car that can talk to you, and EV future goals get a stretch. Then we get into two segments. There's a new M3 in the 91 Octane Garage and a moment in history. Hyundai's first WRC podium brought to you by Corona Cerveza. Let's start the show. Welcome to 91 Octane. I am John, and let's get right into the first headline. First the 8-track, then the cassette player, then the CD player, and now AM radio. Automakers are starting to drop AM radio and new cars, and this has been happening for some time now. Car makers, car makers say they won't include AM transmitters in future EVs. And already, it's unavailable in a variety of EV cars. Now, the the reason for this, or at least the stated reason, is that they blame interference from EV drivetrains on excluding it because it's going to lower the quality of the signal, therefore it'll be too distorted, and what's the point of having that? AM mostly broadcasts regionally, uh, and they usually now are sort of just news, weather sports i think it used to be like back when i'm probably aging myself back when i was younger radio disney was on am radio i think it was am 710 if i remember correctly um there used to be more entertainment now that's all moved either to uh you know internet mediums or fm radio um and that's why we're starting to lose am radio in cars. Audi, BMW, Porsche, Tesla and Volvo are all selling EVs without am radios already. The first to do it BMW um in their first EVs, well I guess they weren't the first to do it, but one of the very first cars that BMW actually excluded am receivers from was the i3 and the i8. This was already like at the start of their EV adventure. Uh, they were including AM, excluding AM radios. And again, citing the reason that there is electromagnetic interference uh, from the drivetrains, and therefore it's too low quality to even include. And Volvo has even gotten hybrids into the mix with the T8, um, you know, PHEVs. So um, it's, it's on its way out, at least in the EV world, which, I mean, it, it's... It's a legitimate reason that electromagnetic interference could cause problems with AM radio, but I think with technology nowadays, um, I think it's easy to work around that, or at least easier to work around that. And the place, we don't really need to look that far, at least for those of us in the United States, Ford, General Motors, and Stellantis all make EVs that include AM radios. So they've either figured out how to uh, work around the electromagnetic interference or maybe it's not as big of a problem as the European manufacturers are stating. And the odd thing is that in Europe, no one listens to AM radio anymore. It's not like out here where we still use some of those frequencies and we still listen to the radio uh, a lot, although you know we're now competing with podcasts for travel time and commutes um 
in the U.S., it's still a little more popular. Now, it has been declining steadily since 2017, so it's be- there's becoming a, a bigger reason to abandon AM radio. And now Ford has dropped AM radio from the Dark Horse, so it's now made it into ICE vehicles. Now, the Dark Horse is meant to be a performance car. Honestly, I... I uh, I'd be fine if they sold a version that didn't have a radio or speakers, right? If it's a performance car, maybe it turns into a dedicated track car. Maybe it's more affordable that way. There are less parts. Um, so it makes sense that they would start here. They, You know, the the F-150 Lightning no longer comes with AM radio. Um, so, you know, they they already do have cars that are excluding it, but nowhere near uh, the volume in which the European manufacturers are doing. So... We're now, I would say, at the end of the beginning of the uh, of the first chapter, let's say, to make it clear. The end of the first chapter of the demise of AM radio. Uh, we're going to start seeing it less and less as time moves on. And it'll be a fond memory, but I don't know that I'll miss it. And let's get into our next headline. If there is one rule in racing, it's never, ever ever give up right keep going uh power through find a way to get through the race and finish right like if finishing is a uh a point of success it's a milestone in itself so um always try to get across the finish line and that was demonstrated by actually a uh honda no actually an acura tsx um at the at coda at the Gridlife Touring Cup last week. Um, The uh, Gridlife had a Touring Cup at Coda last week, and I would say a huge highlight was a photo finish with a three-wheeled Acura. On the last lap of the second race, James Houghton, in the number 41 Acura, Acura TSX, had a complete hub assembly failure. We saw his tire invite itself to a very aggressive meeting with the wall. It was rolling down the track, actually, for some time. Even the announcers say uh, something like, I hope it doesn't hit another car. Uh, But then it goes right into a wall, uh, and it's safe, out of the way. Um, And other other drivers are visibly slow down in the footage. There are other drivers visibly slowing down. But you can tell that the number 41 Acura TSX is going to keep running it. He pressed on. Um, he was laying a trail of sparks that would make Doc Brown envious. It was, It was. I mean, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I thought at that moment, I thought, what would I do? Would I keep going knowing I have one more turn to go before a straight to the finish line? Or is that the end of my race right before I finish? I think the fact that you've made it almost the entire race and you're done to the last turn, if you can find a way to manage, because you're going to sense it, right? The wheel comes off and you're at whatever speeds. I don't know exactly what speeds he was at. I would imagine 80, 90, 100 in that in that spot. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I keep going. I feel like I would keep going. Because you've gone that far and you feel it out a bit. I guess if you can keep it safe, you're going to keep going. The car was teeter-tottering, clearly. it would uh, You could see it bounce 
from one side to the another as he was braking and accelerating, so it wasn't stable by any means. I'm sure it felt like hell to drive. And on the final turn, to even get even crazier, on the final turn before the finish line, Michael Hilo, shout out to Stubbs, made like one of the most intense passes I've ever seen at the end of a race. Um, I honestly, I, I, I've seen the video multiple times, and I swear I think he's sliding through that turn and just trying to keep his velocity as, as, as and acceleration as high as he could. And he comes around the outside to make the pass, and they come out of the corner neck and neck. It's literally a drag race to the end of the finish line with Hilo's 350Z and this three-wheeled number 41 TSX. And they're jamming, and it looks like he's... It looks like the three-wheeled Acura is not going to get him, and it just edges him in the finish line, and he ends up taking uh, the 13th position where Hilo takes the 14th position. It was the most amazing piece of racing. Well, maybe not the most amazing, but it was honestly an amazing piece of racing um, on both drivers' parts. Because, you know, if you see, I'm sure he saw that uh, that Houghton was um, on three wheels, which is dangerous enough, right? Do you attempt to pass on the outside, put the car on the inside? The car on the inside with three wheels that has less grip, right? It's going to be able to hold less G. Um, well, no, because... The wheels, the two outside wheels were on the turn were intact. So he put most of the weight there. I'm sure he's still losing grip, but maybe it's a little less than in a front wheel drive car. Um, I think he's doing all right. So that's why he was able to hold that turn. But, th but still, how do you make that all that? How do you make that assessment? How do you have the thoughts that I just had in a split second? where you decide, okay, I'm going to try to take him on the outside, even though there's a risk he'll run into me. Um, I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to back out because he didn't have – he was missing a tire. Um, but he went for it, and they came out in the corner literally neck and neck. It was a drag race to the end. And uh, in the fight for 13th position, the Acura came out on top. But honestly, that was one of the greatest finishes um, – of the weekend i thought it was so I, i've watched it at least 20 times i thought it was so cool um i wish i could achieve something like that and have it on video uh for the rest of my life that's cool man shout out to those drivers because they went hard all the way through the race even with missing parts into our next headline in the future you won't need a bentley manual your car will tell you what to do GM plans to let you talk to your car with ChatGPT. ChatGPT has literally taking, taken over the world um, and made a ton of industries easier already, especially the college essay writing industry. Uh, it's also created an industry of people who are trying to make tools that can detect things written by ChatGPT. So you know, yin and yang in this situation. Um, I mean, this is enormous, and the whole world is all over it at the moment. 
Um, and now it has made it into the car world. GM Vice President Scott Miller stated Chat GPT is going to be in everything. The first phase of this includes asking your car to like program your garage, how to fix a flat, right? Uh, how to fix a code that the car is throwing with step-by-step -step instructions on how to resolve it. Right. And really the only the first two is the ones that they mentioned, right? Instructions on installing your garage code or how to fix a flat. And that's and, and it's conversational. And I think that's the initial stage. But with this technology, if you're already putting I mean, if you got the 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 outline, the infrastructure to create step by step step instructions uh, on command from your car, it's only a matter of time before you start including more complex things. So, for example, how to fix uh, a code that your uh, car is throwing. And at that point, you can look at the steps. If it looks like too much, you'll take it to a shop. If it looks like you can handle it, you might as well go for it, right? I'm sure you'll, they'll, there'll be agreements that you have to sign to make sure that they're not liable. But that's something they can do. Um, you know, and, and, and even in the future, what you could do is call your car to you like Knight Rider, right? Like Kit from Knight Rider. Um, uh, you call your phone, you call your car over the phone, right? Uh, I need you in such and such spot or using an app probably is more simpler, right? Putting in address and your car drives itself over to you and you can now go home, um, or even re have it react to your surroundings, right? What, like, I think it's possible with the amount of cameras that you can put on cars now. Teslas record everything. There's videos all over the internet of people keying Teslas because Teslas can detect when somebody is nearby and it starts recording. So similar to that, it can detect whether someone is breaking into the car and call you, right? Now the phone calls you, lets you know that the car has been stolen. At that point, I don't know what happens because I don't believe that the police force is going to come out and start doing, I guess, chasing a bunch of cars, right, that are being reported stolen live. Uh, maybe it allows you to uh, remotely shut down the car. Uh, you know, that's probably more likely uh, to happen. I think that'd be good. You remotely shut down the car after it calls you. I guess it could remotely shut itself. Maybe there's different settings you can do as a result. You can either have it react. And honestly, this is probably in the future as well. You, you can have it react automatically to someone breaking in. Maybe it's got facial recognition and can detect who is part of the car and who isn't. But maybe that's too much, too intrusive of security for you. So now you rather have it give you a, a call instead. Most of the time our phones are on us anyway. And then on the on the phone, you can either say, yes, it's me. Or no, uh, it's being stolen, shut down. Yeah, it's going to happen. That's definitely going to happen. The amount of technology they're putting in these cars, if it doesn't happen, I'd be shocked. It's going to be so easy to do that. I mean, look at what our phones do. Whatever our phones can do, our cars will be able to do. That's essentially where we're at. And the, and the phone in our pockets, the supercomputers we carry, uh, the possibilities are endless. I pretty much do all graphics, all, not anymore, but I used to do, up until last year, I used to do video editing, graphics design, photo editing, and any audio editing, editing I had to do on my phone. I'm not saying that a car is going to be able to edit your audio. I don't really know what reason you would 
you would have to put that in a car, but I mean, with the if it can handle that, it's going to handle a multitude of different things. That's scary. It's fascinating, but scary. Let's get into our last headline. Only 11% of car manufacturers think they're going to make the 2040 EV goal. 11%. There was another percentage of car manufacturers that says, yeah, but it's going to be very difficult to get there, which in the corporate world means no. So that's where I decided we left it at 11%. I think that was like 18%. So it's still not that much. But GM is still developing ice age, ice engines, and now BMW is stating the same. So there's proof that a good portion of the car uh, manufacturers probably won't make the 2040 EV goal. And the 2040 EV goal is uh, selling all EVs um, moving to 100% EV uh, in new sales. That That's what the goal was. It's been discussed. I think California set 2035 as the goal, uh, but now it looks like it's not going to happen. According to Handelsblatt, which is a magazine uh, from Germany, BMW is working on a new vehicle platform for its models after 2027. So they go on to say that sources inside BMW claim the four, six, eight, and eight-cylinder engines will receive updates, and they even have plans to keep diesels on board. So let's just hope they don't get into another diesel scam uh, with Vol- like with Volkswagen. You know, BMW was part of that as well. BMW has stated it wants 50% vehicle sales to be EVs by 2030, but the sluggish EV sales mean that the other 50% they are planning will continue for some time in very, very high volumes. So I think in order to maintain those cars, as rules get more strict, they're going to continue ha- to have to develop engines. Uh, which is good and bad, right? They're going to be developed according to uh, sort of the the standards set by the EPA or CARB if you're in California, which can make things very difficult, super efficient, um, but not necessarily high performance. But it does leave a window open for high performance uh, applications of those motors or even, you know, sports cars to continue because these programs will fund sports cars that these uh, companies can actually develop and sell. So I don't think we're going to have to worry about EVs taking over even by 2040, uh, which is 17 years from now. Um, That's a long time with new ICE engines. So there's going to be a lot of cars, a lot of temptations Please deepen your pockets, my friends, because there will be more opportunities. So those are your headlines. Let's get into our first segment. Car guys make a lot of bad decisions, so it's only right that I continue this trend. I've added a 1997 BMW M3 to an already full stable. So we have the uh, the M- E36 M345 that I used to track. Um, and run time trials in. I have an E92 M3 um, that I had as my street car, still have as my street car. Um, I ended up hitting something on the freeway, and I haven't been able to repair the bumper since. So I do turn it on and take it out a little bit, but I haven't driven it meaningfully in a while. Um, But for probably the last two years now, I had been talking about getting another e36 um i it was i was always casually shopping you know i I was on bring a trailer 
cars and bids. I didn't really like the auctions. I, I felt like the prices are always inflated on these auctions. And more so, I have issues with uh, the fees. But I also wasn't sure if I wanted uh, you know, something to work on or if I wanted something that was turnkey and I could just drive because um, I do want to make it myself. I also don't want to get something like too expensive that I'm afraid to drive because I want to, you know, maintain it. I don't want to ruin it. I want something a little raggedy, but not, you know, all the way there. So I started looking on Craigslist and OfferUp and, you know, similar websites. And they had almost exclusively proper, like, high mileage ship boxes. That's where your salvage car cars are. Um, that's where you're, you know, painted on the outside, but not the door jams cars are, uh, those were the cars that are missing panels, the cars that looks like they've been sitting for, you know, 10 years. They've got a, a inch thick layer of, uh, dirt on them. But every once in a while you, you know, sort of stumble on a gem and a potential, right? You sort of get the itch like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to call this number, right? I'm going to. There's no OBO on this listing. Uh, it's firm. Hmm, maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't, right? I mean, he doesn't want to negotiate. We can't really figure out a price. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Oh, but I really want the car. Maybe I should try it. So in that whole adventure, um, you know, I and I came up with sort of uh, what I was looking for. I sort of narrowed in on really ve some very simple specifications. I need a decent mileage, which really for me is sub 150K, right? Sub 150,000 miles. The closer to 100,000, the better. I'm probably not going to land with anything under 100,000, at least in my budget. So I was satisfied living in that range. I wanted a stout, decent, you know, conditioned powertrain, you know, transmission with no grinds, a uh, a motor that pulls hard to 7,000. Um, but I wasn't necessarily concerned with the cosmetic things. Like, just I want it whole, right? I want all the pieces to be there. But I'm I was okay if the paint was a little rough. I was okay if it had the normal door panel and and window issues. I was okay if the power steering was leaking. Um, these are just normal E36 things that, that happen that are part of owning e an E36. So I was like, you know what? That's okay. As long as I have a low mileage car, no check engine lights, you know, runs well, uh, I can deal with all that other stuff. Although I don't like bodywork and I don't paint, I, I was willing to take on that cost if the price was right. So I stumbled on i'm searching one night right and uh i'm seeing the usual things first i start with my favorites that i've already looked at from the day before see where they're at see if people see if the listings are still there then um i started searching and i stumbled upon uh like a stormtrooper m3 alpine white 3 all black interior e36 m3 coupe uh, stripped down on the outside, right? No arrow, no wing, uh, no special front lips. It's completely stock on the outside. Um, and it's got Vader's on the inside, all black interior. Um, so it, it's, it looks pretty nice. The listing was really crude. It had very few pictures. The, the description was a jumbled mess. And the listing had 28 days on it, but the key 
It had been updated one day ago. Perfect. This link is hasn't expired. It's still around. It's very likely that this car hasn't been sold. And within the listing, he mentions that they're eager to, eager to sell due to a business venture. Perfect. A motivated seller. That's what we want. So now what are the details of the car? They are asking $18,000 on the car. No mention of firm or OBO whatsoever. And the car has 123,000 miles, which honestly to me for an E36, like I would call that zero miles. I have, if if I take care of it how I plan to take care of it, I could have another, conservatively, another 150,000 miles with that car. I do not intend to drive it that much, right? I don't need a daily. I have a truck for a daily. The truck is what takes me everywhere, runs my errands. I can't do 150,000 miles on just driving weekends. That's that's not going to happen. So I feel like I'm definitely getting my bang for my buck here with the mileage. Clean title. And this is with running the Carfax. The Carfax is pristine. No accidents. Confirms it's a California-only car. Confirms the clean title. And confirmed the mileage as well. So it's legit. Right. It's uh, unless someone got really creative um, with manipulating the odometer um, and, and working with when they actually took it to smog, the mileage is correct. So, you know, the car was mostly stock with the exception of a dining exhaust. It had a bilsing strut brace and some cast wheels that I'm not too fond of. I will be leaving as soon as I can get rid of them. But it had all OEM parts otherwise, right? I don't have the wheels, but other than that, it's all there. It's even got a full toolkit. The toolkit is all there. That's like, I, I pro I've probably encountered that out of the f four, five E36s I've had. This might be the only one that actually has all the tools. It blew my mind because... It isn't the greatest in a lot of different aspects, but we'll get into that. So I'm interested. I hit the guy up on a Monday. He says he can meet me at 5 p.m. Uh, I'm like, okay, perfect. So I wrap up work. I tell him I'm on my way, and he texts back that his brother's going to show up because he can't get out, he can't get out of work. So I'm like, okay, that's. That's kind of a bummer. No, you want to deal with the owner of the car, not through someone else, right? I mean, not through a messenger. The me messenger doesn't really have a vested interest. So you can't really gauge where you're going to land with the car. I, I don't, I'm not going to make an offer to a family member. I honestly don't think I would ever put a family member in that position anyway. So, um, but I went anyway. I figured I'd take a look at the car at the very least. And then when the guy is out of work, uh, you know, meet up somewhere and then negotiate. I figured maybe we could do that. So um, I see the M3 there when I arrive and now is his dad and his sister. I hadn't, I didn't know this when I saw them, obviously, but you know, as soon as I saw them, I was like, mm, this guy's brother, you know, could be his dad. And the uh, girl he was with definitely looked like his daughter. 
So I asked point blank. I was like, oh, are you uh, are you so and so's dad? And he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, and he's just kind of nodding. But blankly, I can tell he doesn't understand. So then I uh, talked to the sister. I'm like, oh, are you are you the sister? And he's like, and she's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Um, and I'm like, do you speak Spanish? So in Spanish, I tell him, do you do you guys speak Spanish? And then the father nods. Um, so now he's understanding me and I asked the daughter, I'm like, you know, who, who do you want me to talk to? Do you want me to speak English? Do you want me to speak Spanish? Uh, so I give her the option. She tosses it to her dad. So now I'm in full Spanish the whole time. Um, and I start asking questions. I, I look over the car and I'm like, you know, do you have smog numbers? Like any paperwork for smog? I just want to, I want to see if it barely passed, if it passed well, I don't know. That's the answer I got. Do you know where the OEM parts are? Um, in the listing, it stated that there was an OEM exhaust that they had, a variety of other parts, a different set of wheels. So that's why I asked this question, and they said, I don't know. The listing said that, uh, you know, it's never overheated. When it says that, I still like to ask it just to see uh, the reaction. Uh, I decided to ask, ask it anyway. Maybe he knows the car well. Has it ever overheated? I don't know. And, you know, in this, I'm, I'm already a little uncomfortable because I've already been lied to. Um, I've already been lied to because the brother didn't show up. The dad and the daughter showed up, which I thought was strange. Maybe the brother couldn't make it. And then the lies start piling up. Um, I, I asked the daughter, I'm like, oh, you know, uh, do you know what time your brother gets home? And she's like, oh, he doesn't live here. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He's like, oh, he lives in NorCal. And I'm like, whoa. Yesterday he said he was going to meet me. Then he told me he was going to be late because he was stuck at work and he was going to send his brother. Now it turns out <laughs> that this guy lives in NorCal. He's not even here. Like this whole ch situation is really weird at this point. Um, but I am intrigued by the car. The problem is that that's not where where it ends. The listing said that the car had an electric fan, but it had a clutch fan. Uh, I asked if they had the fan somewhere else. They don't know. The listing said no leaks, but the oil pan and power steering are leaking. Have any repairs been attempted? I don't know. There's an airbag light on. Do you know why? I don't know. Now, I knew because I when I looked at the car, it has the, the I, don't, I hate it. It's a shitty E39 M5 steering wheel that someone put on this car. And maybe, on, actually, on the M5, I'm sure it looks like it should be there. In this car, I swear, uh, it just does not look good. I can't wait to get rid of it. But I figured that's why the airbag light was on. You know, it's, it's very likely. But I can figure that out. Um... So I can't get any questions answered. And the the plan was to take this up with the owner, right? But now I can't because this guy is actually in NorCal. So what do I do? Uh, you know, so I, I mean, I make a list anyway uh, of what's wrong with the car. The windows go up and down, but it takes a few tries. So it's... I'm thinking the regulators are just a little dirty. I can probably lube those up and it'll start working again. Worst case, I replace those. The power steering is leaking. That's an E36 thing. Easy to fix, but it's a very common thing. Oil pan leak. It's about time, I think. It's a small leak, but 
it, there's a leak there, so I'm going to need to take care of that. There is an exhaust leak for sure. For sure there's an exhaust leak. The car sounds horrible, but I do have the OEM exhaust, so I'm going to check for where the leak is. Hopefully it's where the catback meets the midpipe, and we put in the OEM exhaust and everything is good again. I'm going to keep that car quiet. Honestly, I'm not trying to stir up any people or get pulled over. I just want to have fun with my car. The biggest issue is the clear coat is peeling on most of the car. There's spottiness on the hood, some on the fenders, uh, some on the rear of the car, the trunk, the top. Uh, the trunk struts are dead. The hood struts are dead. The A-pillar trim is missing on one side. The sunroof doesn't work. Wipers stall mid-swing. And the door panels ho are holding on by a miracle. And that's, again, an E36 thing. And there is a tune on the car. I can tell there's an overrun tune on the car. There's no check engine light, though, so that's the good thing. But there's an overrun tune on the car. All I'm going to switch that back to stock. I don't, I don't need an overrun. I don't need to waste that gasoline for any reason. I'm just going to be cruising this car. But the pros definitely sold me. The powertrain is stout. No check en engine light. Pulls strong all the way through 7,000. No problem. Feels good. Idles perfect. The clutch bites really hard. It drives straight. The suspension is actually very supple. Uh, the car feels surprisingly sturdy. I haven't... It doesn't look like any of the bushings were replaced, at least not for like uh, uh, aftermarket you know, poly bushings. Um, if they were replaced, they were maintained OEM, um, which is good. But the it's just the suspension feels good, which I was surprised for 123,000 miles. I would have expected a little bit of a little bit more wear in a car like this, but uh, I, it, I guess it's just how it's been driven. Um, no grinds or pops, uh, shifting in either direction. You know, sh heel toe, downshifting, in pretty much any scenario you can figure out. Um, driving that car, there were no grind, uh, grinds through any gears, which is great. Um, the shifter holds straight, which means the detent pins are good. All the panels are straight on the car, the fenders, the, the front, uh, bumper, really everything on the rear as well. So it looks like it hasn't really been driven super hard or been in any major accidents, which is good. And the Carfax is clear as well. The AC and heater work, all the outside trim is present. There's an X brace and a strut bar. There's a nice bonus. It does come with angel eyes, which honestly I can give or take. Anytime there's extra wiring in the car, it, it annoys me. So I would rather run without the aftermarket angel eyes and just keep it stock. But since it's there, I'll leave it there until it becomes a problem and then I have to remove it. The sound system works. The interior leather has no tears. It was a little dirty. Uh, you can tell it, You can tell it's been sat in. But there are no tears, no wear on the Vaders or the rear seats. Um, so it's in very, very good condition. Now, the door panels could use some work, as I stated. But all the pieces were there, right? This is exactly what I was looking for. So, honestly, if he would have been there, despite how weird it was to getting up, uh, getting up to that point, I still was ready to negotiate if he would have been there. Um... I, you know, I said my goodbyes to the dad and the sister and when I went and I went into my truck, you know, and I decided to call the owner just to see if he'd be in town, right? Like maybe we can schedule something for later in the week or maybe he was in on the weekend. 
um, whatever we can figure out to actually make a deal in person. I don't like dealing over the phone either. Um, so I wasn't really planning on him. So I asked him when he'd be down and he said tomorrow. But honestly, it felt like he was just continuing his lie uh, for some reason. I, I still don't understand why he thought he needed to lie. I think he could have easily just told me, hey, man, I'm in NorCal, but my family will show you the car and then, you know, you can deal with my brother or something. Right. But some I don't know. But say something like, honestly, dude, it's, it's no harm, man. You don't I don't think you have to lie about that. I don't know what the benefit is, is either. Um, so I give him the full breakdown, the one that I just went through with you. I give him the entire breakdown of what I think is good, what I think is bad. Um, and then I kick back. You know, I don't really say anything after that. And he responds with, well, what do you think? You know, I know this means he's looking for an offer at this point. And he's asking 18000 I had zero intentions of an offer, and I had zero intentions of an $18,000 offer. But when he asked that, uh, you know, I, I, was, I hadn't really thought it through that much. So I really came from the gut. And I said, you know, considering everything I listed, considering all I have to put into it, from the 18000 that you're at, I was like, I'm probably at 12000 man. And it was a gap about that long of silence. He comes back on the phone. I can't do that. You know, that's too low, man. The lowest I can do is 15000 And in my head, I'm like, holy. That's $3,000 off of asking. I would not recommend to negotiate that way, right? If you're at 18000 come down to seventeen. Right. Uh, don't go straight to fifteen thousand right off the bat. Now I I have an idea of what what either the car is valued to you or what the money means to you. So now I have leverage. But he continues. I have some extra parts and wheels that I can throw in, and I'm like, at that point, I'm like, you know, all that stuff was included in the listing, right? But I don't need it. I, I told him straight up, like, I don't need it. Um, if you're going to include it as part of the deal, but you also mentioned that that was part of this in the listing. So I'm like, but you know, either way, either give it to me or don't, I'm fine. More silence, put another gap of silence in there. Just let them think. So I chime in. I was like, look, man, I, I told you all the positives. The powertrain is good. It's got good mileage. Um, and so just because of that, I'll do 13. So I do 12 to 13 um and I just and I just stay quiet. He's you can he's mulling it over. I almost get to a point where I'm asking him, "Hey man, you know, are you still there?" Uh but I don't quite get there. He jumps in, he says, "Meet me in the middle at 14,000." And I immediately hold. I immediately said, "You know, no man, uh you know, I'm good at 13. I really can't go beyond that." And honestly, with what I had to put in the car, I couldn't, uh, I, and I shouldn't, more than 13000 I think that's what, that's what needed, that's, that's the price that it needed to go in in order to me have enough room to invest in the car um, and still be okay. 
and man, there is super, super intense silence. The silence was deafening after that 13,000, um, after I held that 13,000. So I'm like, mm, I wonder where this is going to go. You know, he's not even here. This really only works with when you're, you know, in person, uh, what's going to happen. And then he drops the golden words. How do you plan on paying? At that point, I could tell he had accepted the offer. I Honestly, I didn't expect to get here at all. I was like, mm, you know, once I actually realized that I'm going to get the car, I'm like, oh, man, now I have to fork over 13000 I wasn't really actually planning on going that far, you know, although I wanted the car. Now, we met up after 5 o'clock. Banks were already closed, so we had to close the ne- the deal the next day. Um, but uh, by noon... I was the proud owner of another shitbox. And that's how I got into my currently third M3. Now, the future plans for the car, it's going to be a slow burn. It's going to take a while. It, it honestly might be under that cover, under that tree, for a few months before I actually start working on it. It drives. I have to go register it. You know, I'll probably smog it. It's legal. So I can get it around if I need to, but I'm going to be a little patient with, patient with my approach and it's going to be 100% whole, 100% working. I'm going to make sure every clip, every screw, every panel, the headliner, every part, everything is cleaned up and tidied up in that car so it's as new as it can be. It'll never be completely new. Uh, but as new as it can be. So I'm very, very excited. It's crazy how it all went down. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm super happy. My, the, the, uh, sedan, the M3 sedan that I have that I used to track, that one cost me 6,000 in 2019. Yeah. 2019, I believe 2000. Yeah. I think 2019, it cost me $6,000. Now it was in a little worse condition than this white one um but i still you know it does it wouldn't warrant a seven thousand price increase that's how how much the market has moved and i feel for a hundred twenty three thousand uh mile car thirteen thousand right now uh it's kind of hard to beat it i think it would be really really hard to beat it but stay tuned for more with that car now let's get into our last segment a moment in history hyundai's mexican booze cruise Now, the year is 2014, and the rally is in Guanajuato, Mexico. After the Brinco stage, Volkswagen had taken the one-two finish at this rally, but Terry Neuville and Nicholas Gilsall in the Hyundai i20 finished third. Once they finished this stage and finished third at this checkpoint, they were handed a a liter of Corona beer. It's literally a giant uh, glass bottle of Corona beer filled to the top. Like that's sort of the reward at the stage. They wanted to spray it and celebrate, but they actually thought against it and realized that they could take it back to the team and celebrate all together. So they kept it in the car, right? They were making Korean history after all. This was going to be a moment of moments for them. But the result was provisional. They actually had to finish the, the next 20 miles ahead of them in order to be able to claim third at the rally, right? Until they actually crossed that line or made it to that uh, service area, the result wasn't official. So from the El Brinco stage to Leon, 
they actually uh, started realizing that there was a small hole in the radiator and all the coolant was draining out. The car was starting to slowly heat up and heat up in that ride. So they pulled over uh, once it got hot really, really fast. They pulled over and they quickly patched up the hole. They had the right tools and everything. They were prepared to patch up, patch up a radiator. But what they didn't have was water. Uh, Terry didn't know what to do. You know, They were kind of looking for options on what to do. Um, how to move forward in the race. They had to finish. Again, they're making Korean history at this point. Then they remember, hey, we got that Corona at the end of Brinko stage. Let's use that. And yep, they open the bottle, the liter of beer, and Nouvelle takes us through the rest. We took off the top and poured it in. After that, we drove for a while and the temperature was still going up. I was trying not to get stressed, but it was a difficult moment when we were thinking about the team's first podium. So they were like, oh, it's not working. You know, what do we do? Uh, do we keep going? We might not actually make it if we if this car overheats. And then he steps in again. We stopped again and added more beer. After they drove a little more, the temperature started coming down and they knew they would be okay. They made it all the raid all the way back, secured their victory, and I'm stir- I'm still sure that they had some coronas to celebrate with the team. Corona was the title sponsor for the rally, which is why they got the giant bottle of Corona in the first place. But who would have thought that beer could be the coolant that saves the uh the Hyundai I twenty from failing at its first victory? in the WRC. So this is, they actually were able to make Korean history thanks to Mexican history. Corona. Uh, so that was pretty awesome. That's a really, really, really cool uh, story and racing story. Um, I'm sure that motor is done with, right? It's not going to be too long. I'm sure you could still run it. Actually, they could probably drain it, do a couple flushes, you know, after they get back. And then, uh, you know, and then I'm sure the motor would work fine. And I'm pretty at those levels are probably taking the motor apart anyway and cleaning everything by hand, in which case everything would be fine. Uh, but if you're ever in a pinch and you've got some beer and you're at a coolant, know that you can at the very least, I'm going to say, I don't know where they stop, but make it 10 miles with beer. And I'm pretty sure you can make it a lot more. I think the issue the issue is the deposits that'll leave, um, you know, when it cycles enough. But like I said, if you drain it, I think even if you flush it, your motor will be fine. You might reduce it by a few years, but I wouldn't say it's that bad. So they make it back. They are victorious. They get third place behind Volkswagen, and it's Hyundai's first win in the WRC, uh, which is you know, awesome. I love these stories. Anyway, that is your podcast. You can find us at 91octane.com. That is all letters, no numbers. Follow us on Instagram at 91octane. And if you want to send us any emails, info at 91octane.com. I want to thank everyone for all the support and listening. As always, I mean, the only reason this exists is because of you listeners. Uh, So thank you again. Um, And I'll leave you with this, right? Um, if you think it right, 
in the car world, right? If you think like, hey, man, that was a fast lap, right? Someone gives you their time and in your head you think, man, that was a fast lap. Make sure you let them know, man. That's how we create relationships. That way somebody, when you know, when you end up going fast or the next race you win or whatever it may be, they're going to come up to you and give you props too. That's, you know, that's cool. I think that's part, that's part, that's part of the, the community being a little better. You know, I think uh, it'd be nice to sort of create those, easily create those channels of communication. And we accomplish enough in our car journeys that there's well more than enough things to celebrate. Your car is dope. You think some guy's car is dope? Let them know, right? They're going to let you know too at that point. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave you with that. Now it's the end of the podcast. Good night.